Welcome back, everybody. This is Blake and Dan. Fix the world. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to let you say your thing. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, All right. Damn, you should give me like a cue or something. Uh, We fix your computers and I watch us fix the world. Gosh. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say sorry for the hiatus again. Again, uh, yeah. I think we're we're doing better at doing this twice a month rather yeah. than doing it every week. Mm-hmm. But we're the plan is to get back at doing this every week. You know, holiday seasons kind of suck. Yeah, uh, I've also been spending some time up in Cleveland with Dan. Yep, and every time he comes up here, we say we're on recording person. Every time. We'd like, oh shit, you got Xbox? Like, oh shit, oh shit, you got pizza? Like, and it's just we end up not doing that uh, this time. Uh, I know Blake was here about two weeks ago, and we just shot shit all day and literally range and uh, went to a bar. And we shot shit, then we shot the shit, then we took shots. Yeah, then we took shots. Right, and then so, I took a shit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'd hope he wouldn't hold it for two days straight. That just seems unhealthy. That does seem uh, unhealthy. But um, so, uh, and, and to get you into the Christmas spirit, because we are recording this, we record these in advance, so we're recording this the first day of December. So to get you in the holiday holly jolly spirit, we thought we'd talk to you about serial killers. Yeah, that's holly jolly, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so again. Uh, and again, I, I take most of the blame for, you know, why we didn't record much in November. Uh, as we've said before, if you've listened to us for a while, I've been moving, uh, getting really settled in my house and getting everything ready to go. And I didn't for a, the lo- a long part of November, I did not have my recording equipment in my house. So I'd have to, you know, go back and forth to my uh, old house, my, my apartment, which is still occupied by some family. And, you know, record there and then leave. And it just, uh, you can probably tell there are many nights I didn't want to do that. Um, so it, would, it just kind of got procrastinated for a little while. And then we ended up just not doing it. So uh, I take, I know, a good part of the blame for that. And, you know, why they kept falling through. So thank you. And again, so I do apologize, uh, you guys, for having them fall through. Uh, but uh, we are Dan's here. making those those big boy life decisions. Yes. Also, you know, secrets out. Dan's getting a dog. I'm getting a dog. I am so excited. Like I, like I, as, as all I'm, I become that pet owner like overnight. That's all I want to talk about. I'm showing sh- like random people photos of him. Uh, he he doesn't is, even have the dog yet. I don't. I don't even have him yet. Uh, I have to go pick up the dog. Uh, he is a uh, great Pyrenees. Well, we, this is what we assume. We assume uh, he is a Pyrenees mixed with a Bernese mountain dog. But uh, nobody knows for sure. They just kind of told me, like, yeah, we we don't really know. Um, the vet can probably tell you a little better. Right. I mean, no, I was at the vet hospital when they told me this. It's like, yeah. oh, wow. I, I'm not I'm adopting him from a veterinarian hospital. Okay. Uh, so I guess they double as a shelter. Okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, like he's a, they, they found a, like your, your quintessential box of puppies and no one knows where they came from. And they, that's what they think they are, but no one knows for sure. 
He kind of looks like he has a little bit of Australian Shepherd in him with that color. He might. Again, I, I, I mean, when he gets, everyone keeps telling me he's going to get big from how he looks, and I'm hoping because I, I wanted a big dog. Uh, so uh, I would like. I hope he he can be as big as Clifford for all I care. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, that is see see Marray derailed the podcast. I'm so excited about it. But I, I pick <laughs> him up. Uh, you know, all things knock on wood, God willing, I pick him up on Saturday morning, and then I will have someone to talk to in my house besides myself, I guess. So uh, really, really excited to uh, bring him home, and I will uh, hopefully he doesn't interrupt the podcast too much because uh, he is like an eight-week-old puppy, so he he's still learning life and stuff like that. Um. Anyway, back to murder. Uh, back to murder. So this is probably the first time we've ever said this, um, but I, I feel it is. it does warrant us to say it. This episode is going to have a trigger warning. Um, so um, you prop a lot of people, you know, who've seen monster and horror movies uh, have this idea that, you know, this killed the killers or serial killers are these crazy guys who just walk around stabbing random people um, like Chucky or Michael Myers or something like that. But um, a lot of times these guys kill for very similar reasons. Uh, I would say a solid 80 to 90% of serial killer cases, or at least the famous ones, are due to sexual pleasure. Um, a lot of these guys, unfortunately, receive, for various reasons, some form of sexual pleasure or gratification from their crimes. And ergo, um, there's going to be a talk of violence, um, graphic violence in this episode. Um, no, not gonna, I'm not gonna go into, you know, details about the techniques they use to slaughter people, but necessarily, but. Oh, Dan's got charts. There will be graphic violence. And unfortunately, because a lot of these guys did kill for sexual pleasure, there will be some talks of molestation and rape. Um, unfortunately, even some to do with children. So if murder talks about murder, talks about uh, rape, talks about, you know, uh, sexual assault triggers you, this is your warning. Um, we want you to listen to all of our episodes. We also want you, you know, to be mentally sound and uh, not have any kind of mental health issues from our episodes. So um, if there's ever an episode that, that, might not be for everybody it'd be this one um so yeah for all those serial killer obsessed people who don't like graphic violence this isn't for you yeah um i i'd be i'm curious how you're a, a fan of true crime and are, aren't used to that but uh yeah so um if you might want to go listen to something else in our catalog um uh the good news most of these guys are dead actually all these guys are dead now so of the four we have four we're going to cover. They're all dead, if that helps. Uh, so, you know, they're not around anymore. Um, but, you know, if you think this is going to stop you from sleeping at night, you know, go ahead, listen to one of our other episodes. We will not hold it against you. But you better be back for next week's episode because when, when we get back to nice, friendly stuff. We're talking about fruitcake. Yeah. Our best fruitcake recipes. Exactly. It's going to be a very short episode because neither of us can bake and neither of us like fruitcake. Hey, I've had a good fruitcake before. Okay. Do you like fruitcake in general now, or do you just like that one? Um, I'm off, honestly not offered fruitcake that, that often, yeah. but 
the one time I was offered it, it wasn't bad. I my grandmother used to buy it every year, and it it was like the stereotype. Every year she'd buy it, and she was the only person who liked the fruitcake uh, the entire household. And and like I, I'm not going to steal the stand up from a. Uh, from um, I forget the Sam comedian, uh, the guy who made Beyond the Pale. Uh, I forget my, I'm not gonna steal his jokes, but like, you look at a fruit cake. That's like that's this isn't fruit. Like, it looks like, it looks like a jelly bean. Like, what is that? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, we're gonna cover four serial killers today. Uh, four infamous ones, uh, from American history. Uh, those killers are Ted Bundy. Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, and Richard Ramirez. All of these men are dead, very, very dead now. Uh, but, you know, uh, they, most of the, I believe almost all of them had their killing sprees between the 70s and the 90s. Yeah, back when killing was cool. Yeah, before DNA. <laughs> um, and there's actually some things where I'm going to go over as, you know, how these crimes happen and why serial killers are not nearly as common today as they're as they were uh, back then um but uh let's go ahead and start with yeah we will go ahead and start with uh ted bundy yes disclaimer i can't stand ted but well let me, let me be frank i don't like i don't like any of these guys they're all horrible pieces of shit who are hopefully burning in hell um but in terms of the 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 hobby of true crime Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy's case or story is is the one that gets the most press because he was the most egotistical, and he also escaped one time. So, he, like, yeah, he was he was like of, of of these four people, I would say Bundy was the most proud of of the shit he did and who he was, and like. Uh, some people thought he was attractive. Um, that's a that's a re- weird thing you're going to see with these serial killers. A lot of times they have fans. Like, not I don't mean like true crime fans. Like, you know, actual fans. Yeah, he had fans like visit him in prison and stuff. People are weird. Yeah, people. Are weird. Well, he was uh, a stereotypical attractive male too. Yeah. Uh, so like, people were like obsessed with him. Uh, you know, crazy people, because, um, yeah. well, you know, I don't care who you are or what you think. Uh, if you are attracted to a man who has factually killed a bunch of people. Um, yeah, that's that that's that's crazy. Yeah, that that's that's crazy. I don't care who you are, that that is something 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 a crazy person does. Um, and it still happens today. Yeah. Like you have. There was there's like there was like a, a story like on a, I think TikTok or something like that. The people were trying to get a GoFundMe for some guy who had killed his girlfriend because he was too hot for prison. Like, oh, he yeah. looks too cute. I'm like, he murdered his mom and girlfriend. Yeah, but he's too cute. Like, oh my gosh! Like, there's like some people like and the people they say guys think with the wrong head. I mean, like, what has to what what wires are crossed in your brain to think? It's a good idea to try and date or marry somebody who's committed multiple murders against people of your sex and gender for for being of your sex and gender. 
I, I, people are weird. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, we got we got Ted Bundy here. He was a uh, pretty prominent in Washington. Uh, but he also killed people in both in not both Oregon, Colorado, Utah, and Florida. I believe he lived in Washington, right? Uh, I think when all that yes. went down or something. Well, he he had yeah his state. I, I, he was born, I believe, in Vermont, and he moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching like the documentary they made about it, or not even a the the documentary movie that they made about him, and like he drove to meet people mm-hmm. or whatever. Like he, that's what he would go to other states because it was harder to catch him if he, you know, yeah. did those things in other states. And I believe he's the one who killed a bunch of people in a sorority house in Florida. And I think that was after he escaped Mm -hmm. or something or when he ran. So, um, before something to mention off of what you just said, uh, you're going to see this happens a lot in these cases, a a big thing. You're going to wonder like, wow, how did these guys, you know, kill for so long without getting caught? Well, one thing, DNA evidence, uh, well, revolution. I guess we probably say uh, he he was killing people from seventy four to seventy eight. Yeah, DNA evidence revolutionized how we catch criminals, um, and DNA evidence raided and started getting used in the nineties. And so before before that, you know, it was much significantly more difficult to catch a killer. You had to have a high. It was harder to put the case against them, and. Um, you know, it, it really shows um, you really start to see uh, those cases start to drop off in the 90s when DNA evidence starts getting used. But another big thing that all these guys uh, were able to take advantage of is at the time of these killings between the 70s and 90s, police precincts didn't talk to one another. Like task force weren't created yet. So a lot of times these police precincts would, com- would be competing against one another the point of trying to sabotage each other's investigations because they wanted to if there if there was a killer who was killing in multiple precincts they wanted to be the ones who caught the guy you know now you know you know if there is a mass murderer everyone pulls together police fbi everyone pulls together to catch the guy no matter where they are located Back then, it was if you could you could legitimately avoid being caught just living a couple living in a different city. And so a part of how Bundy was able to kill for so long was just because of the fact that he did not li- like he killed around, and these police precincts were, were fighting with one another as to you know who got to t- who got to handle it. His real mistake was that he got caught in Florida. Yeah. Bundy had a specific MO that um, would help him. Like he like almost all these guys, well, actually about, about 50-50. Uh, half the of these four killers, two of them went after women, two of them went after um, men and boys. 
Um, Bundy's had an MO of of pretending he was, uh, what's the word, crippled or needed help. So, and then, you know, once he was able to isolate his victim, he would usually attack them. So a thing he would do often is he would go to like a beach or park and put on a fake cast or wrap his arm up or leg up or something like that and looked as if he need help. He, he needs some help, like maybe carrying something heavy or something like that. And, you know, a, a woman will come over in earnest thinking, oh, this guy has a broken leg, broken arm. He needs help. And, you know, once he was able to get her isolated or sometimes he'd ask them, hey, can we do X, Y, Z? And once he was able to get her isolated, he would usually assault them, you know, beat them over the head with a rod or something like that, and then to take them to a further location to rape and murder. Uh, he was also very charismatic, too. Yeah, he did not fit the stereotype of the person who you think is a... He killer. wasn't like... Yeah, he definitely wasn't a creepy-looking guy that was just, like, skulking around. Like, he's the person who'd just be like, oh, hey, hi, can you help yeah. me carry these things? My arm's broken. Yeah. I, I think of, of, the, of all four of these guys, the one who... Or at first glance, you'd be like, that's a killer. Uh, I think Ramirez might be the one, um, w- would be the one that you think was a killer. Um, followed by Dahmer. Uh, I, I, because Ramirez, from what, from uh, we'll get to him, he was not big on hygiene. And he was big on also being creepy. Uh, so, like, again, like, of the four here, I think Richard Ramirez is the most evil in the traditional sense of pure evil. Uh, again, we will get to him. Um, but um, uh, Yeah, we can go ahead and move on to, to Dahmer since, you know, Dan doesn't like to talk not, about Bundy. Not, and Bundy is also one of the most prominent and the one yeah. that pretty much everyone knows about already. Yeah. Uh, so Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, we can, um, we, before, I mean, like, I don't. I don't, let's, we can finish him again. Like I don't like. I don't. I just don't. I don't like. Um, exactly. Like I, I don't like Bundy for the publicity he gets, um, and because of like that's what he wanted. You know, he wanted to be like, when they caught him. He wanted to have this to lie and have this sympathy story. You know, and and have everyone think he was you know a, this tortured soul. He actually um, there was a lot of campaigns in the eighties and nineties against pornography, and part of the reason. Why there are so many there, there's this mentality that pornography would make you violent. Pornography would uh, get, would lead to you having these toxic, horrendous, um, violent thoughts about you know women and, and and looking at women as nothing more than sexual objects. And I will say, without the proper lack of a better term, home training, if it, it, it can, I don't know if it will lead to that, but it can definitely exacerbate already toxic ideas about sexuality and women um, if you are already not being raised well. Um, but he is but because he would would give interviews in prison and blame porn. And then you had like like you know counselors and ministers and and, and like and these political leaders in the community would try and get like adult stores shut down because the serial killer is blaming porn for why he killed. I killed people because porn made me want sex. Yeah. 
Um, he had a very big record. I mean, I mean most of these guys also, uh, almost with the exception of Dahmer, actually, uh, most of these guys didn't just wake up one day and decide to be a killer. Um, Ted Bundy had a very extensive juvenile record of, you know, petty theft and crimes. Um, and another thing is Peeping Tom. Um, it, people liked to, he, Ted Bundy was a Peeping Tom. Um, that's one of the crimes he got arrested, arrested for before he was an adult. Um, peeping, uh, be, being a Peeping Tom is not this little, oh, it's just boys being boys. Peeping Tom, being a Peeping Tom a lot of times is the first step in a potential path of any kind of sexual violence or, you know, sex crime activity. Uh, it start a lot of times it starts with voyeurism. Now, obviously everyone does sometimes everyone doesn't do that. Yes. There are times when teen boys just curious or horny kids, but you know, I would say there's a different thing between a bunch of boys like in high school running into the girls locker room and someone like Bundy, who is actively going to your house at night and trying to peep through the window. Yeah, if you're peeping through people's house windows and it's not just like because you can see in your neighbor's window, like that's weird. Yeah, so like if you have to go out of your way. I mean, like, all the boys fantasize about running into the girls' locker room and seeing some boobs in high school. I mean, that's totally different than, you know, creeping to someone's house and looking in their window. Um, so Bundy's M.O. Uh, would basically, he'd rape them first, and then to make sure they didn't talk, he'd murder them. Um, he typically strangled them to death or bludgeoned them to death. Um and then after death, um, he would mutilate the body. Um, and yeah, like sometimes Which is something would... you're probably going to hear a lot today. Yeah. So he also he was he's also where that phrase actually again there's, there's a lot of in the public sphere because of him uh, that phrase like the killer always comes back to the scene of the crime a lot of that comes from him. Um, he would consistently return to the dumping spots of bodies and sometimes take body parts as trophies. Um, and he in, admitted to a, some t- a couple times sleeping with corpses and, you know, taking a, a t- and hanging body parts, even severed limbs around his house, essentially as ornaments. Yeah, uh, so he was a fucked up son of a bitch. Um, yeah, so his his car was essentially like a mobile death device. So um, after he attacked you and beat you over the head, he would then usually handcuff the woman and throw them in, into the back of his car where he had taken out the, uh, the back seats. So basically that she would just lie down there and lie there tied up as he drove him to his house. Uh, so good news. He, he was electrocuted. Uh, he like of, of the people, uh, he has, in my opinion, one of the most satisfying deaths. Yeah. He, they gave him the chair. Uh, well, he's one of the last few people in, to get the chair. Um, in, I believe in, in 89, 89. Uh, so yeah. But, and they roasted his ass. Yeah. He was actually given 
are sentenced to death twice uh, for killing two college students and the murder and rape of a 12 year old girl. Yeah. He did escape um, from, he was in prison and he was being transferred from Utah to Colorado and escaped during transit. Uh, but they did catch him within a week. Um, and then they caught him. I'm oh, sorry. I'm getting my times confused. Did he, did he escape then a second time uh, after that? And then he was able to get all the way to Florida. Yeah. That's when he ended up in Florida. And then he made it all the way to Florida without killing anybody, though. Yeah. And then uh, he killed two college students. And uh, also, I, I don't well, he I believe the he rape and murder of the 12-year-old was in Florida. Yeah, he killed six altogether. And in a, in a matter of a few weeks, he did all this. It was like, there's this, there's this, con, there's this, um, uh, what's the phrase? There's, there's this thing they say in some true crime circles called berserker mode. And essentially it comes down to, and this isn't, this isn't a behavior that's regulated to just serial killers. Um, there's this, it's like when you do it, when you do something that's wrong or something that you can get in trouble for. Usually the first time you, you do it, you're very, very crafty um, or, you're, or you're very, um, what's the phrase? Like you're very, very um, cautious, you know? Um, so maybe if someone's stealing something from a store, you go in there, you're, you're nervous, you're, you know, you're looking all around, you're trying you're try to look inconspicuous and, you know, you stole something and you leave. Uh, but after you survive, after you, you, know, you get away with it, people start to get this confidence of, oh, I, I, I got away with it. They didn't catch me. They can't catch me. And you start to see it happens with killers, too, where they essentially the first couple murders, they are very um, particular and very uh, thought out and planned a lot of times. And then. As time progresses and they don't get caught, they just keep doing it again and again and again. And each time, their inhibitions and how and how controlled and how careful they are gets gets looser and looser, looser and looser and less. And someone like Bundy was a huge narcissist, so he thought he was the smartest guy in the world anyway. So in he in his mind, no one can catch him anyway. He's just that smart and cool. Yeah, but they did. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to Dahmer. Also, it's fun fact that last thing about Bundy, how'd they catch him? Traffic violation. Um, there's a there's yeah. A, didn't he get pulled over? Yes. For some random thing. Like, hey, you're a murderer. Like, um, movies. How did you get to escape from prison? <laughs> like another thing that movies get wrong a lot is a lot in which it comes. I guess you could make a statement about American police culture based off this. A lot of times they have it seem like it's always a hero cop or this crack team of investigators. No. All four of these killers, these infamous U.S. serial killers, all four of them were caught because they did something stupid. Aren't you that guy that killed that killed yeah, those two college students? They did something stupid. And while police were investigating them doing something stupid, they find out, oh shit, you're a murderer. Like, yeah, so let's next go to Dahmer. All right, so Dahmer, uh, he killed people in both Ohio, yeah, where we live, yep. unfortunately, and uh, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. 
he had a total of 17 victims. Mm-hmm. Um, he was called the Milwaukee Cannibal and the Milwaukee Monster. And he mostly went after... Actually, he only went after boys. Yes. Um, young boys... Or boy... What was it? Teenagers and young men? So, like, people from, like... Uh, so, like, teenagers and young adults? 17. 17 teenage boys and young men. Uh, yeah. Dahmer had a very specific type. Um, um uh, one last thing his span of crimes were n- was from 1978 to 1999 mm-hmm. and i will let dan go ahead and yeah. tell you well his conviction i also tell you his convictions were uh first degree murder child molestation uh indecent exposure yeah. disorderly conduct and public intoxication those yeah. last two um i mean i know a lot of people with those <laughs> but uh i will let uh dan go a little more into his uh mo and stuff mm-hmm. um so quick quick um correction he actually he ended his he was called 91 um july 91 um so yeah Dahmer is a sick son of a bitch um like all these guys Dahmer had a very specific type now, one thing that I'm going to say now while it's fresh in my mind that a lot of people will remind you of, Dahmer could have gotten caught a lot sooner had it not been for homophobia. Like, I'm specific, homophobia, specifically police homophobia, is part of the reason why he was able to keep killing. Um, so, get to that in a moment. So, uh, in terms of reason, and we didn't really talk too much about Bundy's reasoning, because a lot still isn't known. Uh, but like I, as I mentioned before, a uh, big thing with these killers, at some point in their lives, the line between like uh, sex and violence gets crossed. It's, and at some point, their kink, if you will, becomes inflicting pain and murder on people. Um, it's not... Dahmer's parents this day still claim they never abused him. But... What we do know is that most people and uh, most of these murderers um, have a combination of two things happen. Uh, A very, very violent, abusive, abusive uh, childhood and a being brought into or discovering sex in a bizarre way and at a very young age. Um, so, and sometimes sex is discovered and sorry, sometimes they discover sex through violence, uh, like they're sexually assaulted. So those two things are like, oh, and another thing, uh, I keep bringing, I almost forgot, um, a head wound or head injury as a child. Um, both, both, I don't know about Bundy, I know Dahmer and Ramirez suffered a head injury as a child. And it's believed that suffering a head injury as a child can, for lack of a better term, fuck up the part of the brain that processes empathy. So a child who is now has their empathy switch broken, who then is also raised in an environment where they are heavily abused and usually exposed to sex sex in a too young or a sick, I won't say sick, but exposed to sex in a very wrong way 
um, and usually too young. All those all three of those things usually add up to, or I would say usually, but consistently have added up to making killers. Um, so Dahmer's parents to this day is still insist that they never abused him. But it, I'm just saying, you know, call a spade a spade. It's kind of, it, uh, not many people grow up to do this kind of shit who aren't abused. Um, Dahmer is what you call a product killer. Um, Bundy was more of a process killer. He liked raping and killing. He liked the process of doing that. Bundy, or sorry, uh, Dahmer claims, he claimed until the day he died, he did not like murder. He will, he said it, at my, at my old computer, mother computer. He claims up until, uh, up until his, no, he was, he was murdered in prison. Uh, up until he died, he claimed that he did not like killing, but he got sexual gratification from corpses, corpses and bodies. Um, Dahmer is probably the sickest in my mind here. So uh, I said he had a very specific MO or modus operandi. Um, Dahmer only wanted to go for teens and young boys, usually between, I think like 14 to 18 was the range, who were either Hispanic or Filipino. Um, when I asked why, he just found their skin tone and their body frames to be the most attractive. He uh, didn't really go for attacking any, any other white man or Asian man or, or, or not Asian, but um, like um, a Chinese, Japanese man or Korean man um, or black man. Uh, his 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 go to he liked Filipino men and he liked um, uh, Hispanic men. And um, he he himself was homosexual, so he his go to mo was to go to a gay bar and to see a guy who matched his you know flavor. I guess uh, when he saw a guy who matched his his you know what, what he found attractive. He would usually, you know, flirt with them a little bit and then claim that he was a photographer. Ladies and, and ladies and gentlemen and non-binary people, they are never a photographer. That's like, a, like not the, the, he's the only one of the four people we're talking about today. But there have been many other killers who tried to who use the same bullshit. Oh, I'm a photographer because it's a way to get you to their house. Don't go to people's houses. I actually, I think I, I don't may care have, if you know them. Don't I think even I go may to have house. survived potentially getting murdered myself because of uh, because of my granddad, actually. <laughs> um, because I had a job interview at some dude's house who needed a videographer before I knew any about the, knew about this stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, you actually I, told the story on one of the other podcasts. Yeah, like I'm thinking, like I may have I may have avoided getting murdered, like because um, just to quickly rehash that. Went to had had a job in the guy's house. He wanted a videographer. He insisted on interviewing me at his house. Didn't have a car. My granddad dropped me off. Um, some nosy ass neighbor saw my granddad and I was sitting in the car, went in front of his house, and called the cops on us. Um, so I get out of the car and, and go in just as the cops pulling up to talk to my granddad. And I really think that because he's so like, well, he, he may have not been a serial killer, but if he was, I think 
that the fact that he saw I came with somebody and a cop was outside may have saved my life. Um, uh, I remember being weirded out by the fact that he wanted to do it at his house. I did. I did have a knife on me. I did remember that. Um, anyway, I digress. <laughs> so Dahmer, as well as other people, would claim that, hey, I'm a mod. Hey, I'm a photographer, and they, he would invite his victims over, claiming he wanted to do some mod. He wanted them to do some modeling. Um, and let's do it tonight. So they'd come over. He would usually, and plus, I mean, modeling is you, from people I know who model or who do model, it, especially if it's your first time and doing something more promiscuous, it can be kind of anxiety inducing. So, you're like, oh, you're nervous. Let me make you a drink. And he'd make them a drink and he would drug the drink. Uh, he would drug it. Uh, I don't remember. I think Quaalude. I, I don't remember the exact uh, drug, but it was it was uh, a knockout. It, it was something to knock you out. So it may, it may have been um, Ruhypnol, which is roofing somebody, or, or possibly Quaalude. I forget what. But either way, he would drug the drink and knock you out. After he knocked you out, he would then. This is his thing. Uh, it was he would lay with the man or the boy. He would lay with them. In his bed, essentially cuddled up next to them. And he claimed that he could tell based off of your heartbeat when you were going to come to. Um, so once he could, because he would, he would be laying essentially on their chest. So once he start, he's heard the heartbeat start to pick up. He knew they'd wake up soon. And so then he would just strangle them while they were still asleep. So I, I guess you could make the argument um, he was nicest to his victims, I guess. Um, like of all the people we're going to talk, we talk, we're going to and talk about. I mean, he's definitely, I guess, nicer than about it than Bundy. Uh, I mean, still a sack of shit, but. His mind, he only wanted the the he only wanted their bodies because he only got sexual sexual gratification from a corpse. And uh, again, I'll try and be as as little gore as possible to get the point across. He would chop up the body and do many things with it. Um, he would sometimes decorate with the corpses. He would. Hang hang the genitals from places. Um, he had, before they before they caught him, they found blueprints. He was trying to make an altar of bones. Um, further on in his killing spree, he experimented with cannibalism, uh, and um, just using people's like body parts as like plates and dishes and shit like that. Um, uh, one thing he wanted to do, he became infatuated with the idea of making a zombie. Uh, and a zombie as in not a flesh-eating creature. But, but like basically, Frankenstein. Yeah, a Frankenstein monster. Like a, a human being who's essentially mostly brain dead, who could work as like his sl- submissive slave. Um, so he would do things like drill holes in the skulls of 
people and inject acid or water into the brain because he felt that it would damage the brain. But again, only enough to make them like compliant without, you know, resistant. Uh, one time he one. And this is the part that pisses you off. So he lobotomized one of his victims. That victim was still conscious enough to run out into the street and ask for help. Um, so police come and they see this guy who has a hole in his head claiming he needs help. Some dude's trying to get him. Dama returns and sees this and goes outside and is able to talk the cops into saying, oh, he's my lover and he's just really emotional right now. And the cops being so homophobic in the early 90s think this is some sort of gay joke or this is some sort of, this is what gay guys do and let the guy go back with Dahmer. Again, a naked man with a hole in his head runs up to you and says- Not even a man because he went after young people. Yeah, so a naked like- Young man or kid uh, like runs out into the street with a hole in his head saying some dude's trying to get him. Did he actually put a hole in his head? Yes. Usually lobotomies, they went through the nose. He didn't know how to do it, right? Ah, okay. But a, a g- guy comes out, hole in his head. I need help. I need help. Ew, gay people. Go back with him. And as you can probably guess, that guy died. Uh, He did not even bother running a background check because Dahmer was already a registered sex offender. He actually had sexually assaulted a a child at work and only got five months probation. Yay, being a white guy, I guess. Um, So they didn't run a background check on him. They just let him go back with Dahmer. If they had it, they would have known, oh, this guy is a sex offender. Maybe, at least maybe, maybe we shouldn't let him go back with him. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, Dahmer went uh, went back. I also would assume back then they didn't have computers in police cars because you know computers were the size of a house. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I mean, still, I'm sure they could just like look at like run like uh, the numbers to a listing or something. Uh, uh, I believe this is ni- back this is then they had. I believe they had to call that stuff in to have background checks run. Or they would take you into the station and do it there. Which is probably why they didn't want to do it, because they didn't want to take him all the way to the station to do it. Right. And there were some, actually, there were, I think, two people who escaped. And at the time, you know, being, I said, like, we still have some some ways to go in terms of, you know, LGBTQ, you know, acceptance and in, in the world. But, like, we are eons better than we were just 30 years ago. There's like There were some victims who escaped who would not come forward because at the time, being public and ousted as being a gay man was such a big deal and so and, and, and looked down and, and so stigmatized that they didn't even come forward and say, hey, some dude tried to kill me. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, the guy, as a matter of fact, the guy who's responsible for him getting turned in didn't even want, didn't even admit it either because again, like of, of the stigma of being a gay man, he actually ended up uh, lying to the cops to get them to actually check out uh, Dahmer's house. So uh, let's wrap up Dahmer then. In July, uh, yeah, he was he, he was caught in July or July twenty second, nineteen ninety one. Yep, a uh, guy was able actually to um, escape, uh, struggled away, escape, escape Dahmer, ran to the cops and said, and said um, didn't again, didn't want to say about what happened. Just said Dahmer had tried to attack with a knife. Um, and then when police arrived, um, that you know, so he said, "Oh, the knife's in the bedroom." He said, "The knife's in the bedroom" because he knew that's where Dahmer's shit show was essentially. Um, as soon as they got, as soon as they came in, he knew the jig was up. They opened a drawer. At first, it looked fine until they opened a drawer. And in, in the cop who opened the drawer, I know needed therapy the rest of his life. He found a severed penis wrapped in saran wrap. Uh, they, as you can probably imagine, uh, finally said, "I guess we should arrest this guy." Um, and this man's keeping penises. I don't feel safe anymore. Like his house looked like a Halloween house brought to life. You you had dismembered limbs. Every oh, I'm sorry. House. It was an apartment actually. Um, a couple times neighbors had complained about the smell. He would lie and say oh, he has some exotic fish. Um, they found I don't know what kind of fish that is. They they found the dead kind. Yeah, <laughs> photographs of victims. Uh, human remains in the fridge. Uh, six or seven human skulls. I lost track. Um, they found it, it was like, gosh, it, it is literally like if you took all the the bot the the, the uh you know props from a, from a city a Halloween a spirit Halloween and made them real. Like, like they found severed hand. They found a heart in the freezer. Like just like you name it, they found it somewhere in his house. And so when they caught him, he confessed immediately. Um, and he was booked for 15 life sentences. Um, yeah, it was like, what, a total of like nine, yeah, 941 years. Yeah. So um, when he went to prison, he uh, claims he found the Lord. And then one of his inmates said, cool, want to meet him? And attacked him one day uh, with a broom handle and beat him to death. And when asked, the roommate said, God told me to kill him. Uh, so he was beaten to death with a broom handle. Um, he died of head trauma in November of 94. All right. So next up, we have John Wayne Gacy. Uh Pogo. Yeah, um, he was, he is 33 plus victims, um, in the state of Illinois. He was married and had kids. Yep. Uh, he was called the killer clown. Oh yeah, he was the guy who dressed up as the clown. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he was, he was the killer clown. Um, and he was active from 72 to 78. Uh, John Wayne Gacy is another person, um, like who was, you know, like 
heavily abused as a child, heavily sexually abused, um, and uh, for whatever. And, and also in the seventies, you know, definitely wasn't okay to be gay back then. So the, his he helped he masked his crimes this way. Uh, some people theorize that you know a part of why he killed boys and and assaulted them is due to his own self-hatred for his homophobia uh or no, or self-hatred self-hatred for you know being homosexual i should say um he claimed at on his deathbed he's actually bisexual i should i should say that but if, either way at the time the 70s again not the you know not the most uh, lgbtq friendly time um so like he was uh, again beaten consistently um, took a head, took head trauma as a child as well. Uh, he also had a congenital heart condition, which stopped him from being able to play with other kids. So he was usually uh, pretty ostracized. Um, but yeah, so Gacy of everyone here, he was the best at putting up a front, pretending as if he was, you know, this. He was a member, a respectable member of his community. You know, he. Had a couple. I think he had a construction business that was well known. Which he was, also went to children's hospitals and charity events as a clown. Yep, we'll get to uh, the construction company. That's actually in how he got a lot of his victims. Uh, uh, Pogo the clown or Patches the clown yeah. were the personas he had. Mm-hmm. But again, these are at like you know hospitals or charity events. So you know mm-hmm. people are just like, oh well, you showed up as a clown to you know entertain the kids. That's so nice. So uh, one thing that I won't say this is funny, but he would do, which I'm sorry, how is this not a red flag? Is he had a room in his house that his wife was not allowed to go into. If your spouse has any area of the house you're not allowed in, run. Nothing good is happening in that room. Uh, it was his quote unquote rumpus room. We'll have, we have rumpus rooms anymore. Uh, not I modern. I guess that was like the, a rec room back then. Um, but he would commit a lot of his crimes in that room. Um, he uh, actually, like Dahmer, he actually had a prior sexual assault conviction. Uh, he uh, assaulted before he was you know ever convicted of the murders. He assaulted two teen boys and has spent a decade in prison for that and was released in 1970. Uh, and then he was arrested again after being accused again of sexual assault. Um, not sure if back then you had, be, had to be on a sex offender list yet. Um, he was questioned for raping other some more boys, but they uh, n- not enough evidence was brought forward to actually convict him on that one. Um, so he, yeah, so his, how many, how many do we say he killed again? I forget now. 33 plus. Yeah. So, uh, he, a lot of times, uh, a lot, a lot of people think he would pick victims at, at the, um, events he did, which he did, but his main, uh, method of getting victims was actually to, uh, tell young young boys that you know they could get sh- some work as a construction worker for him. He had a construction business, and he would offer these guys, you know, work for his construction company. And then that's how he would 
pick his murders and usually actually kill them. Um, there were a couple boys who fought him off. I know one guy was like military, going to the army. The other dude was on a wrestling team. They just beat his ass. Um, but he had his mo. Him his mo was he would act like he had a, he had a liking towards you. Usually invite you over and show you a rope trick. I think it was a handcuff trick, and yeah. see like, hey, can you get out the handcuffs? And then you once she puts you in handcuffs and you couldn't get out of them, then the mur- the raping would begin. And then the murder, unfortunately. Um, he would usually. Um, he also kept. He didn't. He didn't go to nearly the lengths that Dahmer did in terms of dismemberment. But he would keep most of the bodies in his actually under his house, uh, in his crawl space. Yeah, it said twenty six of them were in the crawl space. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he and just he just dumping them there as if it places as if this thing is like a, a bombless pit I, he would just cons- just like i'm like Mike, you i do did you really think that you would never get caught did you really think that you that you just going to just keep dumping them in there no one's ever find out about this and so uh police actually were kind of doing their job with gacy um they were under he was under surveillance for a while and uh, I forget the I forget the reason he got cocky as hell, like he, he just like Bundy, he thought he could not get caught. You know, he thought he you know avoided them so far, so you no know, avoided getting caught for the murder so far. So he's probably going to avoid getting caught again. And so, like I think I remember he ended up inviting them into the into his house. Like, oh, yeah, come on. But the police, I mean, come on in. Yeah, go ahead and investigate. Because he wanted to pull in this show that I'm I'm such a upsetting member of society. I could I could never do something like that. And uh, when they went to his house, uh, they went to the basement and found the corpses. And I think the, and the cop who found the corpses just screamed the second he saw it, charge him. And, yeah, he was uh, charged with uh those th- 33 counts of murder and one thing that really bugs me the most about him is that he was the person who even to his deathbed he kept denying he did any of it we found 33 bodies and they were able to do enough dna evidence back in the 70s to confirm that you raped them first to convince and, and it and, all these bodies are in your house. He got all his legal advice from a a man named Shaggy. <laughs> yeah, wasn't me. Uh, he tried insanity plea, but he obviously was not insane. Uh, yeah, he had tried to uh, then and that didn't work. He tried to say uh, he had an alternate personality that that would commit the murders. And every mental health professional said, "Yeah, he's full of shit." Um, so. He was found gu- guilty and given 12 death sentences um, and 21 natural life sentences. Uh, they killed him in 94 um, by lethal injection. Famous last words were kiss my ass. Uh, yeah, it's just what pisses me off the most about him is the fact that, again, like, you know yourself that you're such a piece of shit that you, but you still can't even admit to the, admit that you have done these heinous acts. 
you're still trying to find someone else to blame because you're that narcissistic on your deathbed that you're still trying to point the finger at someone else. So. All right. Uh, oh, everyone here, he's the one I want to. Who, he's the one who I want to beat up the most. So, yeah, so next we got uh, Richard Ramirez. Dick Ramirez. Okay, um, we saved. In my the worst opinion, for last. The, most, the worst for last. Um, Richard Ramirez. Like, again, all these guys are evil. Well, let let's go through the the list really quick. Uh, Fifteen plus victims, crimes from. 84 to 85. Wow, he has like the shortest. Yep. Uh, he was active in summer. California. Mm-hmm. Um, he was called the Night Stalker, the Walk-In Killer, the Valley Intruder. Um, and he was convicted of 13 counts of murder, 5 counts of attempted murder, 11 counts of sexual assault, 14 counts of burglary. And uh, he was ended up giving 19 death sentences. Um, yeah. But actually uh, died of natural causes in prison. Lucky little bastard. Um, yeah. So you might be saying to yourself, Dan, I mean, Gacy killed 33 people. Dahmer killed 17. Bundy killed 20. Richard Ramirez has the, in, of these four, the lowest kill list. How is he the most evil? And I say to you is because he took the absolute most pleasure in hurting people out, out of, and, and, and just being his idea of evil. I mean, he thought he was beyond the terms good and evil because uh, he was, you know, a young, stupid emo kid, but in terms of if you made a list of what I can do to be a shit, what I can do to what are the things you can do to be a horrible person? He checked every box and did nothing good for anyone else. Like Gacy, obviously 33 murders, like at least did something in his community, still a horrible sack of shit, but like had the dignity, the decency to like put up a front at least. Um, Richard Ramirez relished in the idea of being of being evil. He is the uh, he is the idea of he's where that that eighties and nineties obsession with um, evil satanic killers comes from. You know he liked making people scared. Um, all these guys got sexual gratification from their crimes, but he is the one who really took the most pleasure out of it. Um, so about him, I think he was a, one of four children. I forget how many kids his, kids his father had. Um, might have been more than that, actually. I might be paraphrasing. He, his um, dad was very abusive, um, beat him with everything he could when he would act up to the point that one day, Richard, I don't remember what the, what the thing Richard Ramirez did to set him off, but he actually his dad chained him to a crucifix or not a crucifix chained him to like uh, a cross, like a stone cross or the ones that you would see in a cemetery. 
So I guess a tombstone. He's taken to a, a tombstone cross and left him there overnight as punishment for whatever he did. Wow. Yeah, his dad was, I mean, just because his dad didn't commit you know, a bunch of murders doesn't mean his dad wasn't a sack of shit either. Um, he took not one, but two head injuries as a child. I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even blamed him if he had just killed his dad. Yeah. <laughs> like at that point, I'd be like, God, like yeah. whatever, dude. Yeah. Not again, kill not one, but two, um, or, or took not one, but two head injuries as a child. Um, it was, I believe, uh, he, he had one head injury, which was, he took a, he took a headshot from a, a, a swing, uh, which I took one as, I took one as well. And I'm not a murderer, but I guess I, I'm on, I don't know if like someone was in the swing or what, but he has a, or maybe how old he was when it happened, but he, um, took a, a crane, a head injury from getting a hit in the head with a swing and another one when he was two. And a uh, mirror fell on his head. Um, so, yeah, two head injuries and abuse. And where does the sex come from? His cousin. Uh, his cousin was also a horrible person. And his cousin was a Vietnam veteran. And he would, like, again, a horrible person as well. His cousin would um, had taken Polaroid photos of the women he had killed, people he people he had killed, and the women he had assaulted sexually while in Vietnam. Uh, he actually was very proud of his war crimes. He was a Green Beret too. Yeah, so this dude knew how to get the job not to give him any credit, but. And he would show these to Richard at a very young age, earnestly, and really start to impress on Richard, you know, you know, how powerful it was to how powerful it felt to, you know, kill somebody, control their life. How it in his words, it made him feel like a god, because you controlled who lived and died. Um, again, like very graphic photos of you know, murder, rapes, and mutilations. So Richard would hang out with him smoke weed and drink um as we said in our marijuana episode you really shouldn't smoke weed as a kid but your brain is developing um so and, and you definitely shouldn't be drinking as a kid either and he would do you know so basically sit with his royally fucked up cousin at the age of 10 by the way drink alcohol smoke weed and, and talk about how awesome it was to murder people uh his cousin also taught him Military skills, you know, of how to be stealthy and how to torture people and different ways of killing and uh, and also how to stay hidden. Um, lastly, he would also, uh, both of them uh, were peeping Toms and he would take uh, Richard Ramirez on his little peeping Tom runs. Um, um, I also... Remember seeing that he eventually uh, saw his cousin shoot his wife in the face. Yes, his cousin, again, as you could probably imagine, was really fucked up. Uh, did kill his wife in front of Richard Ramirez. 
And, and Richard felt that that was a very fascinating event, seeing the death, uh, especially by a gunshot in front of him like that. Um, so as you can imagine, Mike was, Mike was arrested for that. And uh, that was Richard's you know, best friend. So he became a lot more isolated, more than he already was. Uh, he started sleeping in cemeteries now, uh, Richard Ramirez. Uh, he moved in with his older sister and her husband, Roberto. Uh, uh, actually, I'm sorry, I got... Um, Roberto was also a peeping Tom and would take Richard on those runs as well. Actually, I may have gotten confused. Mike may not have been a peeping Tom, but Richard definitely... But Roberto definitely was. And he would take, you know, young Richard Ramirez on those peeping Tom runs with him. Um, so you have essentially like the it's like you it's like someone was purposely trying to make the perfect concoction for a mass murderer you have a child suffered two head injuries as a kid who is around a extraordinarily has is being abused at home and then when you're not being abused you're spending your leisure time hanging with a, a essentially a murder a serial killer in his own right just who happened that in a different country who got away with it Yes, who was very proud of all the things he's done, impress, impregnating that on, on your child. And so you, and also, who, who also is very drawn and, um, you know, secluded from his family. And, and like I said, and you're taking a shitload of drugs. Um, and you're also being, you're having your, during your formative sexual awakening years, you're learning about sex as this thing that you just take and this thing you do to somebody, not, ha not have with them. Um, before his killing began, uh, he, he dropped out of high school and for his freshman year, um, he, before his killings began, I forget, um, I don't know how old he was when he did this. He was working temporarily at a Holiday Inn. Um, I believe he was about 24 when he was killing. So I just, this is probably like 1920. Um, and 1920? 19 or 20 years old. Um, oh, <laughs> it was literally in the 1920s. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I'm sorry. I think he was still in high school when this happened. Basically, um, he was at a ho working at a Holiday Inn. And, you know... Where management has house keys. He saw a couple who was staying at the Holiday Inn and he found the wife to be attractive. So he waited till the, he saw the husband leave, leave to go get ice and then used his, the master key to try and to break into the woman's room and try to rape her right then and there. Um, as you could po probably imagine, the uh, husband came back and beat the shit out of him. Not literally knocked him unconscious. But this is uh, there's always been this issue with I guess people reporting instances or wanting to seem weak if they report sexual crimes. So instead of reporting him and him getting him arrested, they just left the hotel. So they just beat the shit out of him and left. Wow. Uh, he also will reportedly, what well, he was fired for, he would rob people uh, using that master key as well. So, um, again, you see, like, essentially the training wheels of what he will become as MO. Breaking into hotel rooms, 
when people are asleep or away and robbing them and in one at least one instance tried to rape them. And something is like you can put this entire puzzle together for him. On his first attempt at trying to rape somebody, the husband beats the shit out of him. So he would start making sure that he took care of the husband immediately. So, um, oh, also uh, before before or actually during the murders, it was found out that he had uh, sexually assaulted some children in a playground. Um, uh, he again, as you can pretty much get the idea, he's just a horrible piece of shit. Um, it's they found out later on that his first victim was actually a nine-year-old girl. They found out. In 2016, thanks to DNA evidence, um, it was believed that he had only um, molested some. I won't say I won't say only, but it believed that he had molested children, but had never actually killed them. Um, but that was found to be wrong, um, thanks to DNA evidence um, years after he died. So uh, his first murder was actually in 1984 with his nine-year-old child. Um, he would break into houses, at least on one instance, he broke into a house, took the child, literally stuffed the child in a duffel bag, put him in, put her in his car, took him to the hotel room he was staying at, fill in the blanks, and then told her to, and then dropped her off at a 7-Eleven and made sure that she told them, the people at the 7-Eleven, what he had did to her. Because he wanted the gratification of, of fucking the child up. Wow. Yeah. So, again, and this is everything he's done before he has started murdering. This is up until, like, it's literally like making a monster. It's like, it's like. For me, it's like watching like a prequel movie to like a horror movie, like 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 to, like, like the prequels to like fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You're you're watching a beast be created. So his official known killings, and again, people did not know he killed the girl until 1984, until 2016. His official known killings uh, began in the spring of 1985. Um, it's, he essentially had a specific deviancy where he liked to, uh, he liked the, the fear he caused in your eyes. Um, so as I mentioned, his MO using the training, his Green Beret cousin had taught him, he would case out a house, pick the house, break in at night. His go-to weapon was a gun. A lot of killers don't use guns. He he used a gun. He'd break into the house at night, shoot the husband, proceed to torture, rape, and or murder the wife. Some days he would, sometimes he would uh, let them, let the woman survive because in his mind, he didn't, like it made him if he if he if he felt that he had to kill everybody, he would not feel like a god anymore. 
Um, he was heavily into Satanism, or at least his idea of Satanism, and drawing pentagrams on people. Um, on, he, on, one, on more than one occasion, made a woman that he was raping, say, swear to Satan as opposed to swear to God. Um, when she, and no, when he was, when she was begging for her life, um, he let her live. Uh, and, um, his first known murder, and I say no murder as in they knew that they were dealing with a serial killer. He killed two women, um, who were roommates, uh, two roommates, uh, one came home. He shot her and she thought that she had died. And by a string, by the luckiest luck or the best blessing ever, uh, he broke into their house and was waiting for them. When she pulled up, he comes out of the garage and shoots her. She, when she saw him, rose, rose her hand up to, you know, you know, beg or tell him to stop. As she does, her keys come put come into her face or and again by a miracle the bullet ricocheted off the keys and didn't kill her it still knocked her down though he assumed he's killed her he goes into the um house proceeds to stalk and kill her roommate Uh, she, he kills the roommate. The girl who survived runs back up. Uh, she sees, he sees that she's alive. She, she sees him. She, he goes to kill her and she says, and I quote, you've, I don't, you've already shot me once. Do you have to do it again? Which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> um, and he looks at her, smirks and walks away. This dude doesn't even run. He walks away. Gets in the car. Oh, you, oh by the way, Richard Ramirez used to steal cars as well. Um, so his getaway vehicle was always an, a, a car that he had stolen. And again, before the era of computers, they couldn't just run your tags. So gets in his car, finds another woman the same night walking in her car. Gets out, executes her inside her car. And then goes back to the hotel he's staying at. Um, he actually was, was living in a famous... There's that, there's that famous hotel on Skid Row. Uh, uh, it's, it's a horrible hotel. It's where that girl went missing. Um, they found her body in like, the water tank. Um... I forget it, it escapes me right now, but um, uh, if you if you Skid Row Murder Hotel, uh, I believe it is the Cecil. He was staying at the Cecil Hotel. All right, that hotel still exists, by the way. Um, it's not a good place to be at. I do recommend you go. Um, so yeah, he was a pretty sick son of a bitch. Um. He did have a couple survivors, people he thought he had killed. Uh, one occasion, uh, he almost got killed right then and there. A uh, woman pulled out her shotgun, 
he he was attacking a couple. He had just gunned down her her husband. Like I said, he would immediately because of what happened before when he was young. He would immediately always try and kill the husband. He um, broke into their house. She grabs the shotgun. However, the husband had taken the ammunition out being because he has his his grandkids over and wanted to be safe. And so the gun wasn't loaded and didn't go off. So he this he then beat her, mutilated her, took her eyes as trophies, and left. Wow. Uh, yeah. So there was one funny, I won't say funny, but it was one story. He tried to break into a house and got scared because he saw a cop there cleaning his guns. He actually he actually attempted to break into the house of a cop family and he that cop happened to be up cleaning his shotgun and so he literally pops open the window and sees the cop and bolts um yeah so it's just i didn't like as you can imagine like every, just everything that was evil and bad this guy did uh so to wrap it up how did he get caught? In my opinion, the best method of getting caught out of out of everyone. So he had uh, by by the summer of eighty five. Again, this has been happening over a summer. Summer of eighty five in California was a horrible year. <laughs> so you know he's breaking into random houses at night. No one knows. No one knows who that next house is going to strike next. Dude was bold too. He didn't even wear a mask. Like he covered, he covered up his fingerprints, but he didn't wear a mask. Um, cops had tried to catch him at one point because they knew. Oh, oh uh, I didn't bring this up. He had really fucked up teeth, bad teeth, and really, really, really bad breath. Um, he because he pretty much he did not believe in hygiene. He also he also stunk really bad. Everyone said immediately he had, or immediately he had really bad breath and really stunk. And. Uh, that was part of how they found him. Um, so they knew his, his teeth were so bad that when they, they found one of his getaway cars, they tried to have a stakeout at a dentist's office because the dentist who was, they had brought his um, the dentist card and said, oh yeah, he has really bad teeth. He has an appointment with us next week. He used a fake name, of course. You know, uh, you know, just they uh, cops had rang, had to set up an alarm so that when he came in, they could try to arrest him. Alarm didn't go off. So they couldn't arrest him. So anyway, how they caught him, he had just committed another murder. And it, it was it was in the summer. And as he was leaving, a kid saw the car and and remembered at least half of the license plate. Uh, Richard, again, like I said, used stolen cars. He dumped the car later on uh, after he was done with it. He had also, of course, had been in, in, in trouble with the law since he was a child. So they had his fingerprints on from other petty crimes. They find the car, dust for prints, identify that it is Richard Ramirez. Actually, I think it was that, and also uh, they got a tip from one of his... Uh, because again, he would he would also burglar the houses that he murdered in, so they got a tip from one of the guys who would he would fence stuff or sell stuff to, of what his name was. So, 
uh, he goes on vacation. He decides to take a vacation from murder to go visit his brother. And because there isn't the 24-hour news cycle that there is now, he had no idea that all of L.A. knew who he was now. So while he's out in, I think, Arizona, uh, you know, the police have fully identified him based on the prints. They have his photo plastered everywhere. He gets off the Greyhound, goes into a local convenience store to to buy some smokes and sees his face on the newspaper. And then the cashier recognizes him immediately and says, like, El Diablo, like, that's the guy, the devil, that's the guy. He runs. He tries to uh, escape. And long story short, what thing is so hilarious, he run, he, he's just running, running past the freeway and running over the freeway trying to escape, runs into smack dab into the middle of the L.A. hood. And when the people of the neighborhood realized who he was, they beat the shit out of him. Uh, they beat him so bad, when the cops finally came, he jumped on their dashboard and, and proclaimed, I'm the killer, I'm the killer, just so the police could save him. So, yes, he died of natural causes, but, I mean, what, what's a better way to, to, of, him, of him getting caught than that? He got get, he got jumped in a bad neighborhood because he was fucking around and found out. Um, and so his trial was uh, pretty bad as well. Uh, he 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 laughed at people who were on the stand. He laughed at witnesses. Um, yeah. It got it was bad. So uh, he famously said "Hail Satan" as he was being booked, and confessed to more crimes. in 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 the uh, as he's being taken to prison, is that he didn't care that he was going to jail. He always knew death would be a part of the equation, and uh, yeah, was a horrible piece of piece of shit who got off easy because he died of cancer in prison. Probably from all that smoking. I actually don't know what kind of cancer lymphoma is. I'm so sorry to realize my headphones have went out. Was bl- he had blood cancer. Yeah. Yeah, he died of blood cancer in prison. Yep. I didn't mean to talk over you if you were talking, Blake. My my headphones had died during my little discussion about him i didn't know if you were i couldn't hear you no no you're good man yeah so yeah died of lymphoma in prison um like i said dude was not healthy at all anyway like i said he was everyone the first thing people said was he was funky as hell yeah um just a that's why i think he's just a like there's nobody of everyone we listed no one i can think of took as much pleasure in just being evil as he did yeah, that's that's just rough. 
And like, like anything that was bad, he did. And yeah, it's a lot of people. I mean, he got off too easy. I mean, he clearly didn't even care because he got caught in, you know, a year. Yeah. Yeah, Berserker mode. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, he was also, I think, I think what made would help the other guys we mentioned. Um, oh, yeah. I, I mentioned like, he did a lot of for sexual gratification. Like I said, a lot of times he would rape and uh, murder his victims. Sometimes he would just rape them. Sometimes he would just torture them. Um, yeah, he, um, he, uh, if the victim, uh, more than one occasion, he tortured their children too, didn't kill the children, um, but tortured them, um, as well. Uh, as, as I tried to not go into detail of uh, every individual murder because you can watch the documentary on Netflix if you want, they do. We are also not a true crime podcast, right? It's just, I'm just telling you that he did bad shit, like, um, yeah, he uh, just going at and it, and the thing about it was he like he all all he all you had to do for him to kill you was be home, just be. Home. Yeah, he didn't really have a type. Right, black white. Like, Bundy only care. killed women. Uh, the other two, the other one or uh, Dahmer had his type, and uh, you know Gacy yeah. went after men. Yeah. Because that's like, what he was attracted to. If anyone is a example of like your quintessential serial killer from a horror movie, it is Richard Ramirez. He because he, he just wanted to kill and murder. Yeah. Again, he he killed guys more out of necessity so they couldn't fight so they couldn't beat him up again. But he he wanted to torture the women and children. Yeah. Which is just um, sick. It is again. I'm I'm thankful as to how they caught him that, that he he got the. The heroic ending. Um, what one thing I don't like about the documentary is they focus on the documentary of the, of the of the cop team that was trying to catch him, but the cop team didn't catch him. You know what I'm saying? Like they they wanted like they would were you rather to, they had a play by play of what those guys in the hood were doing every day up so until they better. found him? <laughs> like, <laughs> just their okay. life story. They're just hanging out. It's they just go Leroy, to work. It's just Leroy and Brandon, just like yeah. So you know, we were just in the home chilling. And this dude walks, runs across the street, and I'm like, "Ain't that the killer?" Yeah. And so then, yeah, we beat the fuck out of him. And that's about it. Yeah, and they beat him with lead pipes. It was great, but uh, like the documentary, like I didn't realize until after I finished watching. It, I'm like, wait, you guys hyped up this whole thing about you know how you were how you were you were both cops and how you were. They had worked on previous murders and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and you guys didn't catch him. And to be fair, it was very, like, it was very difficult to catch Rich Ramirez. Because, like, he did, like, this is before the era of security systems. A lot of people in those neighborhoods, it was, uh, with the exception of the murders, the neighborhoods were were safe. So a lot of people wouldn't even lock their doors. You know, so pretty much the only way that you could catch a bur- a killer like that was if you were home and awake when it happened and yeah. had a gun on you. Like, like I knew I used to I, I used to sell insurance a long time ago, and you hear all the time people say, "Oh, the burglar! If the someone breaks in, you ain't got to worry about calling the police." Blah blah. blah. I'm like, yeah, uh, you have to be awake though, like. 
this dude, and again on on that one family, they were gun owners, and he still got them. So this uh, episode is brought to you by Simply Safe uh, Home Security Systems. <laughs> like, uh, we should probably, I mean, that would have been a great plug if we were being sponsored by them. <laughs> Maybe they'll give us money later. Probably not. They'll right. just take the free advertisement. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's your free advertisement, Simply Safe. Um, but yeah, so um, as a matter of fact, I do know that when home security systems did come along, they used this essentially as f- free publicity. A little uncouth, but I mean, it makes sense. It's like, yeah, like this shit happened because. They didn't have, like, I don't say because they didn't have a security system, but it could have helped deter it. Um, so, yeah, that's all we got. Um, if there are some things to learn from this, um, from all from all of these, um, I know we've all, we're already running, you know, pushing an hour and 30 minutes. And I've. One uh, thing is, serial killers can be anybody. Yeah. Um, I would say, and this doesn't really help identify them, but. Like I said, most of the time, their MO or reasoning is something sexual. Um, Ramirez was sexual, but also just a love of chaos. Um, but a lot, most of the time, it's a sexual desire of some sort. Um, most people will never encounter a serial killer, thankfully. Um, a lot of the ones we don't mention... Uh, go after like hookers and people they consider like p- drifters or people they, they think won't have a family. Um, though the four we mentioned were not of that caliber. Uh, yeah, yeah, you won't keep yourself safe, but I mean, you'll thankfully, statistically speaking, probably never run into a serial killer, but you know, definitely do the, th- do the things that you need to do. Just, we need to have like, an episode on self-defense. Just do the things that you should do, um, to uh, what should, would do to be safe, you know, make sure, Little things, lock your doors, park in well-lit areas, travel in groups, you know, when you have to go out somewhere. Um, and a big thing, um, especially for, I guess, women, go with your gut. Do not let people like socially pressure you into thinking, oh, he's just weird, Cut, but I mean, he's just being a little awkward. He's a probably a nice guy. No, fuck that. He's giving you weird vibes. Go with those weird vibes. Do not let... There are people in their grave now because they let the social pressure of, oh, I don't want to be mean, get to them. Right? No, always go with your gut. You got thoughts, Blake? Um, I just agree with that. Go with your gut. Serial colors can be anybody. Um, yeah. Any weird vibes, bail. Anywhere vibes, but I think we wish we should do like an episode on self defense after talking about serial killers. Uh, <laughs> so be be uh, be sure to stick uh, be tune in for that. Um, definitely going to do something more happy and jollier, especially uh, we were in my the the month of my favorite holiday. I am a Christmas fanatic, so definitely want to hit you all with some good holiday feel episodes. You, I think you said the same thing about Halloween. <laughs> your mic's going out, buddy. Um, as always, guys, you know, stay frosty out there. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll come back at you with uh, with some holiday 
spirit goodness coming up. Yeah. Because this was a Halloween episode that we didn't get a chance to make. <laughs> All right, guys. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate you so much. Um, stay weird out there. We love you guys. Adios.